Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, and I'm now delighted to be joined by David Anderson from At Bees Tactical uh, to discuss Brentford and uh, Watford's upcoming game against Brentford. Welcome, David. How are you doing? Hello, Matt. Hiya. I'm good. Yeah, probably better than you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, really good. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a nice little break and chat about football for a bit. Um, we just chatted before about like weddings and stuff and mine coming up. And it's yeah, it's good to sort of bask in the glory of Brentford and maybe not too much but bask in the misery of Watford for a little bit but I'll try and be positive for you well if you, if you bask too much in it then we'll, we'll kick you out um, <laughs> so actually, I suppose we should start with with, uh, with Brentford season as a whole then how, how's it uh, how's it gone for you your first time in the Premier League well as a whole I, yeah I think if you're looking at it as a whole I don't think it could have gone any better really um, there's been a few hairy moments where you're looking around and I think the families are looking around and thinking gosh we've got a lot of players I think each player's had this moment where the fans have looked at them and think, gosh, they don't belong up here. But it's kind of been a blip rather than something long-term throughout the season. But as a whole, I think we've done really well. Um, we started well, um, probably surprisingly well, and looked like one of the best teams in the league for like the first six games. Second six games, there's a little tailing off and been levelling off with results and a couple of like last-minute defeats. And But then we picked up again and we picked up a few defeat, uh, a few wins ourselves. And yeah, I think midway through, as we got through that winter point, that that's when the injury started and then COVID started hitting. And you saw like, actually, if this squad can't take much more of this, it was a depleted squad. But we fought back and got a few players back and slowly got them back to fitness. Then we had a really bad run where we lost like six out of seven games. and Everyone thought we were going down. But the work we'd done in the beginning of the season held us in good stead. And even though we'd lost so many games, we actually didn't really lose too much ground from the teams below. And then... Tony found a little bit of form and then, then really we signed Ericsson and Ericsson came in and we haven't really looked back since. So other than that sort of middle chunk where we did have in quick succession a few miserable results and we didn't think there was, you, you, when you when you have so many, you're kind of thinking there's no way out of this, but there often is. And yeah, since Ericsson's joined, we've really, we've turned into a different team and probably if we level it all off we probably are probably the 15th best team in the league and I think we're going to finish around there I'd say. How surreal is it to to be watching your team and, and seeing such a superstar like Christian Eriksen being part of it? Yeah very surreal surreal is the right word I mean it's it's just him as a as a story obviously everyone's well aware but for for me I'm 
I'm not. I don't really get caught up in the sort of the fandomness of this. I'm a bit more of a realist, and I, I, I was actually worried. I was thinking, gosh, what, what if something bad happens in a Bradford shirt? Um, it, it could go horribly wrong, and it could be a gamble that uh, doesn't pay off for us. But I think you just have to trust the club and how intelligent they are at, at making these these calculations with players. And him coming in has. I, I don't think I've. He's definitely the best player to ever ever like graced a Brentford shirt by a million miles that's the first thing I'd say the second thing is he's just surprised me in so many ways he hasn't played many many games but if you watching him in detail he is a really like top class player and I think if such a tragic thing hadn't happened to him he would have just gone straight back into a a much better team but a couple of his characteristics that will just surprise you how fast he is even on such a long break out of the game, he's he's absolutely rapid. He's one of our quickest players, and he, you wouldn't even think of him as a fast player. Um, his fitness levels, um, his technical ability, like short game, long game, um, just holding off Chelsea is going to live long in the memory. We've recently beat Chelsea um, yeah, 4-1, but him game. in the midfield against Kante and some of the others, and Kante couldn't get near him at times. This is a really top, top-class player, and... He, uh, if if we have him there for any longer than this season, we've been very very lucky. But I, I think he has bigger plans. Unless we, unless we can convince him that we can turn into a team that could maybe challenge for those edge of Europe spots, I I think there's going to be bigger and better clubs and um, larger sums of money coming his way. But yeah, a, a truly amazing player, and he's just given us that lift we needed just to see us over the line. I think, um, yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's an, it's a, it improved the Danish link as well that you've got there. Yeah, we are Denmark FC, I think. Um, <laughs> Thomas Frank's uh, got the band back together. I think he's, I think he's influential in the, in the Danish scene. Um, he, he's worked at the youth levels. He's seen a couple of these players come up through the ranks, and he's worked with them at younger ages. Uh, Denmark is a much smaller population, so especially in the football, if you think how tight the it's tight in England, like a lot of football people know each other. If you think about, it, you minimise that again to a population as small as Denmark. It doesn't take much to to gain a reputation or lose one. And um, he, I think he's he's probably not... He, he's been a popular guy. Then I think he's been a bit of a laughing stock in Denmark. But I think he's turned back into a sort of popular guy again. But those um, those links, it's, it's done really well for us. We've had Scandinavian links way before Thomas Frank, though. So it's, it's not mm. just him. But I think they've been strengthened and we, we've just benefited hugely. And if you look at the midfield for Denmark, so Christian Eriksen and Christian Norgard, are um, playing together for Brentford. They play together for the national team as well now. And those kinds of link-ups, those are invaluable. That's another part of recruitment where we've done really well. There's been a few players over the years that we've bought. You get a couple of players from a team or you get players that have played together or played, um, have links with other players and bring that into your squad. That, that, um, that chemistry, that knowledge that they have together of each other's game is, is um, invaluable as well. So, yeah, the Denmark League's been brilliant. Um, We've really benefited from it. And yeah, Ericsson is just the cherry on top of that. Have you seen your Scandinavian fan base in, in increasing because of all the links? Yeah, yeah. So it has done over the years. Um, I think um, I myself, yeah. So I was part of the, just until this year, the Bees United, so the Supporters Trust. I, was, I sat on the board of that. And um, there's all there's always Scandinavians, um, people from Denmark, um, the rest of Scandinavia messaging saying... Yeah, we'd love to talk to more Brentford fans in England. They come over to Brentford matches. There was a period where it was really noticeable at Griffin Park where um, Scandinavian fans were in their numbers coming over to sort of Tuesday night games, Saturday lunchtimes in big packs. And um, 
yeah, the, the fan base was growing and those numbers are huge and uh, there is real interest and yeah, yeah it, it's just grown and grown. And I think someone like Pontus Janssen's added to that as well, just a different part. Um, but yeah, the the Denmark link's huge and I think it's just going to get stronger and stronger the longer we're in the Premier League too, as more exposure um, increases. Yeah, there's a massive love in Scandinavia for, for the Premier League. I know that uh, clubs like Liverpool have got some surprisingly large amounts of fans that come across from from Norway quite quite regularly mm. and you just you sort of have to take a step back and think wow they're really traveling on a plane like to come over it's like it's not just um you know a three o'clock kickoff for them it's a it's a whole day event maybe even a, like a weekend yeah. event really because they're they're coming over here they're probably going to be here Friday night Saturday taking a bit of Sunday and then and then going home I mean it's like a it's a whole event for them, isn't it? It's, uh, it sure yeah. is. And I don't want to be cliche and say, saying the Scandinavians like a drink, but I think they see it as a challenge to like, <laughs> how much can we drink across an entire weekend whilst watching football. And um, they they make a weekend of it. But it, if you if you just look back, I forgive me if I've got this wrong, but I think John Arlerisson was Norwegian, wasn't he? John Arlerisson, do you remember that left foot? Yeah, yeah. From Liverpool? You know what, I'm going to so say it's yes. these these early Premier League players, the, those sort of dotted Scandinavians around, like around the Premier League, that they stick with the fan base and they they watch it from afar. And as I mean, obviously, as as plane travel gets cheaper and it gets uh, more easy and accessible for just more people, you can see why. If if they can, let's get over to England and watch this football. It's obviously a much higher league, higher standard of league than they they get in their own country. And yeah, they're they're, they're travelling in their droves, and yeah, long may it continue. I can confirm he was Norwegian. 110 caps for the national team, 16 go. goals. Good, good, <laughs> good recollection. How old do you reckon he is now? Gosh, uh, he's got to be 42. Oh, that's close. 41. Oh, oh not bad. There we go. Not bad. Nearly there. Nearly. Only retired in 2017 as well. Decent career. Yeah, he probably went. He probably like got so used to the Premier League, he's really trotted back to Scandinavia and sort of seen out, uh, seen out some years out there in like the lower leagues and just. His brain and um, his his um, abilities just got him through matches. Maybe not his fitness and uh, ability to get up and down that left wing. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? What for? Have a couple of uh, Scandinavians on their books: Pontus Dahlberg, um, Ken Semmer, more notably. He hasn't played much this season. So, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot, a bit of talent out there. Yeah, there is. Ken Semmer might link into some of my angles on why your season's gone downhill Ooh, without okay. being too harsh. But yeah. I, I, Ken well, Summers, um Well, let's move into uh, that uh, swiftly yeah. then. If you've got that on the brain, what what what's been what's been it wrong for you uh, at Watford this season? Yeah, without um, sort of kicking you guys when you're down, I think <laughs> you just made a few. <laughs> there's just been a few decisions which I, I think, on the whole, they they didn't look like good decisions when they were being made, and I, they've just turned out to be not great decisions. I, I think Ken Simmer, for one, I, you watched him in the championship. I don't think he was. I wouldn't say he was tearing up the championship and immediately like that's to me is saying if you're not if you're not doing well at that level there's no reason why you're going to be banging on the door to be playing week in week out in the Premier League but uh yeah he seemed I think the intensity of what was going on in the championship was just a bit too much for him at times I think he was off the pace I think he was out of position I didn't know if he was coming in from the right or playing left wing it didn't look great and you sort of carry that player up into the Premier League when really you should just be cutting your losses at that point. Um, he just adds to like a bloated squad and I don't know what age group, I don't know what age Ken Semmer is, but I, I don't think there's much more space for improvement there. I think he just clearly seems like a player on, on the down and, and I think you just got caught with too many of those type of players and the ones that are are, are coming for you, like your forwards, the Pedros, Sars, um, 
there's not enough with them to just make up for the players that are probably either leveling off or dropping away. And you probably are, as I was saying about Brentford being maybe the 14th, 15th, 16th best team. I think you probably are one of the, as a team, probably one of the weaker two and maybe three at a push. And you're probably just going to finish there. That's that's just the reality of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's towards his, his late 20s, I think, uh, mm. Ken. He hasn't featured a lot for us this season, but you're right, he's part of a, a squad that... Um, probably at times has felt like uh you know there are there are a few players there that were never really going to make much of an impact in the Premier League because they weren't really championship quality. I can name a few um Adam Massena um you know I, I mean Craig Cathcart gets a a bad rap but I I don't feel as though he's really Premier League quality um mm. you could probably say that about a few of our defenders um was Tom yeah. Cleverley really up to the Premier League again. Week out. I mean, yeah, you're, he's another one. I, I think off the ball, possibly, like if you've got another couple of good players beside him. But again, Sissoko, Danny Rose, you, your instinct is these are good ideas. But I think you really think about them. They're probably not because have those players maxed out and hit where they that level they need to be? Are you clutching at shores hoping that they can hit a level they've shown in the past when really they're probably on the down now. So you're you're needing them to to dig you out of an area or bring you up to a level when really they're moving the other way. I think you looking at a squad, I mean, your average age of squad, I think it's the second oldest in the league. It's either second or third. I think you've got one of the oldest teams. So with that already, you're not, you're not instinctively thinking, Oh God, I've got a load of, I've got 10 players who are going to actually be getting better. Whereas if you think about Brentford, we, instead we do, we have one of the younger teams and a lot of our players are still improving. So they're going to improve throughout the season. And, you kind of get that crescendo at the right times. And then you add in someone like Christian Eriksen for these young, improving players to just bounce off. And you find yourself uh, closer to Brighton, Aston Villa, Southampton than the teams at the bottom. And I think we've just benefited from a little bit better foresight, whereas you kind of have been blinded by some of those old Premier League players who, not that they're looking for paydays. I think that's just, that's a bit of a lazy assessment, but they're kind of the pickups that are just, dotted in front of you and you have to resist those you can't be you can't be just grabbing those because there's a reason why they're being let go and especially at the level they are being let go from and who knows if if they're not good enough for that level what what level should they be playing at is it just that they've been in such good teams that's why they're up there you take them out of that unit and all of a sudden they kind of can look very ordinary and i think that's what's happened a little bit with sissoko as well yeah i i, I appreciate that, that opinion um i think the sissoko one Worked out better than the Danny Rose. Well, I don't even think. Oh uh, yeah, I yeah, know, definitely. I, know, I agree. There. Definitely did. Was Danny Rose worth a punt? I suppose, given his age and the football that he's played previously, um, perhaps it was. But it very quickly showed that, that um, you know that a mistake had been made there. And I think you know I'm talking about that as a punt as a as a fan with not really a lot of um, knowledge of you know how he's been playing. Um, you know, behind closed doors for Tottenham for a season, um, not featuring. I mean, more scouting or research could have been done into that before the decision was taken. And, and clearly, there, um, you know, that, that, that either wasn't done or it wasn't done well because he, he wasn't able to perform anywhere near um, how well we'd, we'd, we'd have hoped him to have been at. So, you know, that ultimately was a mistake. I, I think Sissoko... Has proved to be, you know, a, a decent signing this this season, um, but yeah, it's not the sort of the young, 
exuberant uh, on the up talent that that we kind of were hoping for. It's, it's more of the sort of like best years behind him on the slow decline player that uh, that maybe we didn't need. Mm. But I think you can carry a couple of those. Like you can get away with a few, and there's obviously a role for them. Um, and and as, as long as you keep them in their box, you're not asking them to do too many things. Um, but I think if you have a cleverly Sissoko possibly Kutcher as well just all kind of getting those minutes yeah. and you might be that's probably more of an explanation of why you finished where you have than yeah than probably anything else like someone like Craig Kafka I think you know his level but what's going on in front of him how competitive is the midfield are they creating enough for you are they are they good enough when they're going to get moments like on the edge of the box because your forwards obviously can't be relied on for everything you need some goals from midfield but yeah I, Without meaning to, sort of, as I said, kick you when you're down, I think another thing was the Ranieri appointment as well. I think if you, if you, I, I thought that was a terrible decision at the time. I think I, I wonder if we spoke about it. I probably did say I wasn't sure about it. If someone wants to go back and listen when I did speak <laughs> to you, it it didn't look good to me. It was I thought it was a terrible appointment, especially looking off the back of what he'd done in his last few tenures. Um, it just wasn't a good move, and I, I think you needed something else. You needed you needed someone younger. You needed someone who was going to elevate you, not. Not not kind of just sort of steady it. I think you may as well have gone. I, I don't know if Roy was available at that point, but maybe he was the move at that time or, or someone else. But yeah, I think probably it may be a similar type of thing. But yeah, there, there's other coaches. There's other ways you could have gone. And maybe it was um, uh, symptomatic of like the ownership and the familiarity with Ranieri and knowing him that if he's available, are you going to get a better coach? Well, they probably thought they weren't. Um, similar with Danny Rose, I think if he's dangled in front of you, you think, oh, wow, yeah, this left back who's got all these minutes in the Premier League, he's played at a really high level. I think he played in the Champions League final as well. But how good is he compared to that now? And the same with Ranieri. Like, what, what level is Ranieri compared to some of these coaches we're seeing today? Don't think he's in the top percentiles. Mm. As, as an outsider looking in um, at Watford, having, you know, another crack at the Premier League, do you feel as though we have shown any improvement from the last time that we were in the Premier League or, or have we um, pretty much made the same mistakes over again? Uh, oh, that's interesting. I, probably. I, I, think, I guess you were in the Premier League for a while, weren't you? You didn't come straight back down last time. I'm just trying to think of the time spans. A lot's happened in the last few years. No, no, we, 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 we were up there for three or yeah, four Yeah, you had like four or five. Yeah, you did have a while. I think... Yeah, I mean, you've your model hasn't particularly changed. You're you're not afraid to fire a manager and get someone else in. You look for those cycles of one year, two year max, and there's a lot of churn in that man, which I don't think is a huge issue. I think it's more um, the recruitment side of it and what's going on in the pitch. So I think you're okay to keep firing these managers, but if you if you're making mistakes on the pitch and you're just getting worse and worse and worse, and you can avoid relegation being one of the weaker teams, but you're just sort of hovering above and sooner or later it's going to catch up on you but no I think what you've done this year I think you've been unlucky with a couple of injuries I think Saar missed out on quite a bit of football hasn't he and yeah, he has, yeah. the African nations and that that's another thing as well like which you you, you have to account for this stuff like which players are going to be leaving you like are they really important at a pivotal time when the Christmas period or just after you're playing so many games um you lost a couple to that tournament um I think Saar's like your best player and he was injured as well there's just um from a top down part there's just a few strategic things which if i was anywhere near decision making i just would never have done and i think a few other people that thought like that as well and 
maybe it's come home to roost a little bit, but the Premier League is hard. Let's just not forget that. I think that it's quite easy to say, oh, we should be finishing here. A lot of the games you're coming into them against much better opposition with better players. How can you narrow that? How can you narrow that? And it's, there's a lot of talk about the underdog stuff. We we just see Norwich yo-yoing back and forth. Like they just still haven't developed a way to play as the underdog. They're, they're, they're so used to being so dominant in the championship and they just win week after week after week. But conversely to Brentford, we, we kind of developed a system that allowed us to play as the best team and the underdog at the same time. We're we're kind of more comfortable in that. So we developed a system that allows us to level off the game against Chelsea, Man United, Man City, just stay in the game. But then you take that against teams like Watford and and maybe your Aston Villas and your Southamptons. We can edge those games because we're defensively against the stronger teams. And that's where I think we've done well. But yeah, I don't think you've done well defensively. I think... Um... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's a bit of a myth that you've been defensively. I'm not sure you have. I think there's a lot of errors in your team. I think, um, yeah, that, that's probably an area that you lost sight of and didn't really just invest in the right quality to see you through. That's another area, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, valid point. Valid point. What do you think we'll expect this Saturday then? What, what should we expect uh, from, from, from Brentford? Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard, actually, because for us... Um, Interesting. We've spoken about Ericsson. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ericsson actually got a rest for this game. And <laughs> he didn't. They didn't actually play him. And Matthias Jensen started instead. Um, it's. I think every you, you guys. If any, if there's any sense across the squad of like we, this is done now. We can't catch this up, or we can't make this. Those sorts of players won't play. So you, you still have to go. I mean, you could beat Brentford. There's, there's no. Um, uh, it's not like saying we're much better than you. We're guaranteed the win. No, this is a game you should be thinking. This is a team we're closer to strength-wise. Um, 
we need to go out and try and get these three points. And for us, it it might be an opportunity that we can play some of our slightly weaker players, like not the top, top level of team. So because we know that maybe this is a weaker team in the league. So I don't, I don't know. We, we've done a lot now. I think it would be huge for us to get relegated. It, it, the odds are just so low now for that to happen. So I don't know. There, there could be some points here for you. I, I don't think it would be the end of the world for us. It, it might keep your season alive and give you that little bit of hope. Um, Everton have won just recently without time stamping this and it's it's made it really difficult for you guys to see a way out but until it's until it's mathematically impossible you've just got to keep going and thinking there is a way to to get through so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised to see you guys pick up three points against us no not at all you're not uh thinking the players are on the beach yet then no I, I don't think so I think the only teams that would be thinking like that are Aston Villa and Southampton. Like those teams just seem to; those are the teams that I think can think like that. I don't think anyone else really does. Um, there's too much at stake. Uh, no, no, no. There's no beach. There's no beach town. If there were, they just. I don't think they'd be playing. They wouldn't be selected. If there, if there, <laughs> if, if there was, it would, be, it would be it would be a beach in Denmark somewhere. If that, if that <laughs> yeah, probably probably those... not really a beach. It's more like a harbour. Yeah, one of those cold Norwegian islands um, <laughs> up there. Yeah, so they want to get back onto the football pitch as quick as possible. But yeah. um, no, no, I I don't think so. I, I think more, more what that saying means for like, sort of us and other teams is that a second string might play when we kind of don't need to put out our best, best team. And that some of those players who've got us to where we are might start from the bench. That's all that might happen, I think. What's Brentford's away form been like this season? Um, it's, been, it's been mixed. Um, there's been some like big away victories and I think that's that's why we're so far ahead of you I think we've had games where our systems allowed us to so we drew three all with Liverpool we scored a last minute winner against West Ham um we've done pretty well against Wolves uh I mean you, 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 you was away at Chelsea I mean that was obviously yeah Chelsea was yeah I, I don't want to be so like just bring a load of recency bias into this but Chelsea is being talked about as one of Brentford, Brentford's greatest ever victories um, there was a 4-1 against Fulham many years ago when we um, came back into the Championship for the first time and absolutely destroyed them at um, Craven Cottage. But the whipping we gave Chelsea a few weeks ago was uh, that that was a coming of age of some of these players. And Ericsson, again, was at the heart of it. But yeah, I, I, th- I think a big difference between the two teams is we've obviously had this this 3-5-2 system, which just allows you to sit off the ball and be a little bit more solid. And stay in games. I think you've you've just been religiously four three three four two three one all through the season, and you're just a bit more of an open team. Whereas we've we've had a bit been a bit more solid, and we can go away and yeah, just trying to look at some other big victories we had away. Um, Norwich. Yeah, we did. We go away and beat Norwich three one. I think. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, three one against Norwich. Yeah, the last few months have been a bit of a blur, but yeah, that was another big victory against Norwich. I think we we always knew we were a much better team than them. Um, yeah, Chelsea's just sticking in the mind, but yeah, there's been these there's been these away victories dotted throughout the season. Um, yeah, a two two draw with Leeds, like that's supposed to be a formidable place. We drew three with Newcastle. Um, got a bit unlucky uh, in a couple of games, but yeah, I, I think our away form has been good. And is that is that something that's concerned you this year? Is that why you've picked it up? Or? No, our away form has been has been fantastic, but uh, our home form is awful. So I was hoping that your away form was was <laughs> awful, so that uh, we'd have at least a, an even contest. But um, yeah, we're, 
we're pretty shocking at home. So you, you, should, you, <laughs> should, you should you should come feeling uh, relatively assured. Mm, yeah, I, I think, unluckily for you, we've developed a system that just takes us home and away, and it tweaking it between the two is is very subtle. We we just have maybe just how quickly we get the ball forward and just different effort energy levels, but home and away is quite subtle for us. I don't think there's too many differences between the two. And now that we have Ericsson on the break away from home, um, we are ruthless. Uh, one of his goal, his, well, his goal against Chelsea was just incredible. The pace that he got into the box and just scored a tap in right in front of goal on the counter-attack with us pressing and winning the ball back in our own half. We, we're a dangerous team. So, yeah, home or away, Brentford in the Premier League are here to stay. <laughs> Last time these two played, I was uh, I was at Brentford actually enjoying the, uh, the the new stadium and and taking it all in. It was um it was it was a hard one actually as a, as a Watford fan because we were we, we we took the lead early on through Dennis. Um, I think mm. it was a header I remember, and then um it was an incredible header. Yeah, and then Brentford um nicked one towards the end, and I thought, oh well, you know they've 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 deserved the draw, and then right at the, at the death. And in Buemo penalty, and oh, it was—it was—it's always hard to take those ones. Um, but I remember you did quite a, a bit um, of um, analysing after that game, and you highlighted a, a bit about uh, Tom Cleverley and his um, play. Do you remember that you did that video? Yeah, I was—I was going to speak about that actually because I think that's in a microcosm, like um, maybe maybe partly what's gone wrong and right for the two teams. So I was speaking about Ranieri, and I think in that game, if you. The game was even. It was really, really tight. I think Dennis's goal, that spring and that leap, that header was incredible. And we were on the ropes at times. And I think you wrestled the game away from us. And then we kind of got back into it. And the midfield battle was tight. It was even. It was hard for any team to make any big moments or, or any huge chances. And yeah, you're right. We got back into the game late. But Ranieri just made made this sub. And it was, um, it was cleverly for Pedro. And I was just... Thinking at the time, I was like, I can't believe he's done that. This is brilliant for us. And for a Watford perspective, like from a game theory perspective, the idea about that is you're bringing on attacking, a, a more attacking player for a defensive player and you're trying to assert yourself onto the game. But the game was so tight, I, I don't think it was the right move at that time. What you need, probably needed to do was just change shape maybe to a 3-5-2, just get two forward players central or, or something like that. But he went for that bold move and you had a big chance with Josh King, but... The reliance on Josh King to score you a lot of goals is just, it, it was a lot. Um, but Cleverly was one of your best players on that and he was nullifying us in midfield. And he, the second you take away a player like that, you just all, all of a sudden give the impetus and the momentum to the other team. And we just got better and better. And in the end, we kept getting the ball into the box. And it was um, Sam and Godos, um, dummy. I think it was true. Someone went to ground. I can't remember who it was, but he just drew in a tackle. And yeah, um, I think it, it was... Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was just an awful challenge going down. But we we obviously scored a last minute penalty, and you're thinking, oh wow, they've won by a penalty. But the pressure was building, and we mm. kept getting kept. It was just too easy for us to get into your box because you gave up that midfield territory. Really, you were doing that just to create one chance yourself. Like I think that's all you got out of the the sub. You got one good. It was a very good. It was a good chance. It was a good move. But that sub from Ranieri, I I didn't like it. I. On paper, it's kind of the sub you should make when the game's tight. You're away from home. You're trying to roll the dice and go for it. But for how for how hard you had to work to keep Brentford at the level we were at, as in an even as an even team and even match, it, it wasn't it wasn't the right move, and it cost you in the end. And yeah, 
it's those kinds of things. I think it was more the change of shape of the team that he needed to make rather than this big bold sub. And yeah, that, that analysis on Cleverly, he, Cleverly was everywhere, and he was he was causing us issues. And it, his pressing was great defensively from throw-ins. He was just playing really well. And you take him out of the team, and you just basically opened it up. And in really, I think you got what you deserved. Mm. It's not the sort of change that I think Hodgson would make, but I think Hodgson brings his own problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what, um, what, how would you how would you rate him, and what, what sort of tactical style do you think he would? He, he is compared to that of Ranieri. I, I think Ranieri is slightly bolder, but I, I think um, Hodgson is uh, is much more of a drilled, um, maybe defensive first coach, where you you can see the rigidity he's trying to develop, but. That's all very well. If you haven't got players that are good enough to sort of see that out, then it's just also worthless as well. So he he is a more disciplined coach, and I don't think he'd gamble as much in matches, but he'd probably see you nil-nil for longer or one-nil for longer, and then all of a sudden you've got a chance to go back in the game. Ranieri, I don't know. I think if you were going to go for Ranieri, I think you should have probably just gone for Hodgson much earlier. As I said earlier, I don't know if he was available, but but... There's not much difference between the two, and they're both bad in their own similar ways, aren't they? Like Ranieri's probably a little bit kind of caught behind the times and not quite as sort of you think of him as trying to be move into a bit of being a bit of an attacking coach, but really he's just defensively bad. And Hodgson, defensive coach, but not quite got the players to sort of see out what he wants to see out and lacks on the attacking because you're focusing on the defense. It, it's just muddled, isn't it? And there's it's not going to. I don't think it's conducive for seeing you avoiding relegation. That's what I think you need to do. You need to be a bit better and going forwards. And um, yeah, just maybe better players as well. But yeah, I, I don't think it's just down to the managers. No, there's a bit more to it. I don't think they've helped. But yeah, there's probably a little bit more to it than that. So give us a bit of hope then, David. Um, what are Brentford's weaknesses and, and what should Watford's best approach be to try and exploit those, if they even exist? Ooh, Brentford's weaknesses. I think... It sounds cocky, but we we don't have any clear, clear weaknesses. We're not a team that are like that player is easily got at. I mean, our weakness, um, our main one is Sergi Carlos down the right-hand side. He's played as a right wing-back. It's not his natural position. Um, there's space in behind him, so whoever plays uh, left wing, if they can get behind that area and then pull Ayer out to the wide areas and just get a little bit of confusion around there, then trying to drag Sergi back. He isn't the best defender. He can get caught out and um, lapses of concentration as a right wing back. And if you hit that space, you can get forward in that area. Another area where Brentford are probably, and Ericsson has helped us out here, but without Ericsson, we're quite a slow team. We're not very, we aren't very quick. I, mean, I think with Brian and Bremo, he's he's a good dribbler, but I don't think he's electric. Um, Tony's not very quick. He's quite a slow player. Rico Henry is one of our faster players, but a few of our midfielders aren't very quick. And I think if you if you can dribble, they don't really like to be dribbled past and turn the other way. So if you can, someone like Sissoko or, or Cleverly, just gamble and drop a shoulder and just try and break past a few players, you might find yourself some joy. But um, no, there's, there's not huge weaknesses. I think, I, I don't think you're a, I don't think you possess enough of the tools that are going to hurt us, like as in being able to keep the ball for sort of, really long passing patterns then drag us out of our shape and then hurt us I think that's that's left for the teams like Man City and Liverpool those elite teams so it, I think in terms of keeping possession it'll be far too even and we should be able to get the upper hand so unfortunately for you I think you need a really good game from whoever plays on left wing either cutting in and trying to 
someone in good crosses. Or you need us to have a real off day and um as I said, not play Ericsson and maybe a Jensen in there. You should get a bit of the upper hand physically if he's playing. But yeah, you're gonna need um you're gonna need some of us to be well, those beach players to be um, on the bench. That's what I think you mean. <laughs> Fingers crossed that they uh, they get the beach ball out then. Yeah. Um well, I suppose conversely, uh, or contrastingly, what uh, should Watford be looking out for? Like, you know, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of big names there in in Buemo and and Ericsson and Tony, but what what what, what is Brentford's classic uh, attacking style at the minute? How 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 are they getting most of their goals? Uh, I think in the last, yeah, it's it's really hard to think about how we played before Eric, but before he did come, we were we were sort of the set piece darlings. So our corners are really important and quite interesting. Well, some of them go near post, and we'll try and flick that ball onto the back post, and someone will be coming in on that second phase and just getting a clean strike at goal. That catches a lot of teams out. Um, sometimes we can do a floated one to the back post, and then that header's pumped back across the goal. Our, corner, our set piece corners are dangerous, and I think you're the type of team that are that are going to be susceptible to this. I don't think you've got commanding defensive players in the air, and I think you can be dragged around in these situations. So watch out for set pieces. Um, now that we do have Ericsson as well, I, I can't not talk about it because he probably is going to play some part. But our short passing around the edge of the box has just gone up to another level, which I, I don't mm. think you'll be able to contain. Um, Chelsea were. If, I mean, if these were if these were scored by Man City players, you've now got a couple. Uh, our um, young twenty, I think he's twenty two now. He's a huge guy, but now that Ericsson's here, sometimes Ericsson's a little bit deeper, and Yanel's just been given the license to get forward and break into the box. And he's got a lovely left foot, just a drilled strike, or he can be delicate and finish that way. So he's very talented. Um, but yeah, getting on the end of a sort of third man run, so Ericsson will play a little past to Tony. Tony will play. A pass to Yanel, who's just run off that move, and it's it's a lot to keep hold of. And I th- I think um, you guys playing a back four, you to play a back four at this level, you need to be in sync. And I'm just not sure that it's the best way to approach like sort of fluid attacking teams. And you could find yourself being pulled apart uh, at the back, and and us hitting you hitting you either on the break or or building up in um. Good possession from midfield as well. So yeah, I I I, I said that uh, you guys um, you you might catch it's a big game for you and you might have a bit more on it than us. But I think the quality of us is probably just at that level closer to as you you've just been beaten heavily by Leeds. But we're probably just a bit closer to Leeds than you. And if you're not on your if you're not on your A game, it could it could be um, pretty damaging for you. Okay, well. Fingers crossed both teams uh, put on a good show, but uh, from a Watford perspective, I hope we just shade it. Just to keep things a bit interesting, even though I think 95% of Watford fans probably know that uh, our fate is going to be playing in the Championship. There's nothing bad about that. We enjoyed the Championship. The Championship is a great division. Um, (laughs) It is. Yeah, I mean, if you do go down, it'd be quite sad, Matt, because uh, we've had a couple of years sort of tracking each other in uh, the Championship and the Premier League. And it'd be sad not to chat to you, yourself, Jordan, and, um, yeah, you guys. So We can wave at yeah. each other. Yeah, from a distance, from our high tower. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll meet again. You've got some Watford friends as well, haven't you? Uh... I have, yeah, yeah. A really good friend of mine's uh, a Watford fan. He is... 
He's quite. I think he's quite downbeat about it as well. I think he just was. He's again another realist. Just knows there's this quality deficit that you have against other teams, and it's probably inevitable. But I don't. It's hard, isn't it? There's green shoots, but there's just there is just misery at the same time, isn't there? So you don't know where to position yourself. But yeah, I wouldn't want oh, to well. go through this again. I wouldn't want to stay up by the skin of our teeth and and have no changes made. Uh, there'd have to be changes no matter what. And I think it's probably easier for those to come in the championship and, and for us to look to rebuild again. But that is... Uh, that takes yeah. guts there, doesn't it? Like, it's easier to retain those players that have done it before and just try and see if they can do it again. And then, yeah, you're right. I think the moves have to be made in the championship. But you just don't know. I mean, we're talking like you're down. It's not absolutely done yet. But, yeah, I think you need you need to get a younger, hungrier coach probably and just try and build something i think and that's something that is sustainable at a high level as well so we'll see good stuff well um we'll be looking forward to it uh will you be able to join us or for the for the the post game pod to, to to go through it with us whatever the result is yeah yeah i should be able to yeah looking forward to it yeah good stuff that'll be great then well thanks for joining us uh, in this bumper edition of the watford buzz podcast um special thanks to david who will be like i said joining us in the next one and uh dissecting the results hopefully uh, a Watford win but who knows it could be uh, a complete uh, a complete route from Brentford uh, maybe five I mean at, at this rate I don't know I've got no idea um, but it'll be nice to see Ericsson playing again I think that'll be that'll be um, a special one for, for myself uh, and I'll be in the ground to see that one uh, I'll finish on um, a great tweet that I saw earlier from uh, at Lou Orns uh, he says uh, there's a Watford nutmeg update uh, Watford have completed a record 10 nutmegs in one game versus the Leeds fixture, which means we've moved on to 58 nutmegs for the season, only four behind PSG's record with seven games to go. So uh, that's not wow. a bad stat, is it? That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. If only nutmegs kept you up. That's what uh, <laughs> if only nutmegs kept us up, then we'd be, we'd be uh, battling Man Champions City League. and Liverpool for the Premier League title. So, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you need a good nutmeg. You do. I mean, they're That's great to watch, job. aren't they? I love watching nutmegs. Yeah, yeah. Luan's good as well. He's got a good eye for stuff, and he he's quite impressive. I'll, I'll keep an eye on his stuff if you do go down into the championship because he's good fun. Yeah, he, he loves the stat, doesn't he? All right, then. Well, thanks to David. Thanks again earlier to Ryan for joining us in the show, and also Jordan, who's always good crack. We'll be back again after the Brentford game to dissect that one. And, um, well, let's see how that one goes. But for now, let's just leave with that stat and say best of luck to everyone. And uh, we'll see you in a week's time. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.